this would be really badass to do. Mm-hmm. I'm in flight school right now at Brandywine. Most of the dropouts happen in phase two. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to the Big Man's Cabana. I am your host, Matthew J. Laporte, and I am on with a very special guest, and I mean that this week, with one of my best friends of all time, Benjamin D'Arcangelo. How you guys doing? I, they're probably doing good. They I can't, hope so. Well, there's, there's, there's a massive audience, as you can see, in the studio here today, but Ben... This is your first time that you've been on the uh, the BMC? It is. Big Man's it is. Now, have you been on the Suttering and Silence podcast before? No, I've not. Uh, we, you know, we should change that tonight. Hmm. I could be enticed. I could be enticed. Could you? Yeah. Yeah. Because Gavin and I usually will we'll record on these days. Um, not that we're going to re- say when we do record, but the day that we are recording would be today. Um, but, enough about that. Shameless plug. We're going to talk about you. Now, Ben, you are a, uh, as I say, a lot, a lot of these podcasts with people like you, connoisseurs of many things. You were a wrestler. You mm-hmm. were a football player. One hell of a tennis player. Oh, yeah. Yes. I talk about that all the time. And uh, you just got your uh, your stripes because you were uh, now an officer in the Army. After the ROTC from Villanova University. And in about a month, you're going to have your wings. You're going to be a private pilot. Yeah, yeah. Talk about a connoisseur of so many. <laughs> Before this, guys, he said, "Dude, I'm not that interested in this. We're, what are we going to talk about?" I'm like, "We're talking about you. Like, it's that's about you. You're the guest, and dude, you have you have so much that you do. So let's um, let's kind of see when you've wanted to figure out when you were like, I want to be in the army. This is something that I wanted to chase. Yeah, yeah. So I always came from a military background, military family, as you know. Um, both my parents were in the Air Force. My dad was a meteorologist in the Air Force. He was stationed at the Pentagon for a little while, Andrews Air Force Base. Um, my mom was with him as well. She was a nurse. And so growing up, I always kind of had that background. And, you know, they never pushed me to do anything in any sort of way. But I really just wanted to do something different and do something really cool that I thought was cool. You know, you see all the TV shows and, you know, you think that, oh, like, this would be really badass to do. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, honestly, it really started around 6th, 7th grade. Like, I'd always talked about when I was a little kid, like, oh, I really want to be in the Army. I really want to do these types of things. And so I started following through with it. And out of high school, um, got a scholarship uh, from the Army and went right into ROTC at Villanova. Now, Villanova wasn't my first choice, though. Um for a long time, I wanted to go to either a service academy or I wanted to uh, go to Texas A&M to be a part of the Corps of Cadets. I remember that, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it it kind of changed a little bit just based on I, I wanted more of a normal college experience. And uh, so it really led me to choosing someplace close to home, which I'm really happy I did. Yeah, yeah. I'm lucky you're by all of us. Yeah. Now, Ben, you were a sophomore now at Villanova doing RTC. Walk me through that year. What did it look like? Yeah, so sophomore year, you definitely start to to know a lot more, right? You're moving up a little bit, and you know what's going on. But what's not really nice about sophomore year is that you don't really have any real responsibilities. Yeah. So you know everything that's going on. You're finally ingrained. You know what's happening. But life's pretty easy, right? You don't have a ton mm-hmm. of responsibilities. Yeah. You know, you're not in charge of a ton of people. Yeah, yeah. So... Overall, sophomore year is a pretty, 
pretty easy year. Um, and it really, once you get to junior year, like that's when mm-hmm. things start to really pick up and you feel um, and understand a lot more what it's like being in the Army. Sure. Okay. So how did that feel then? Like, the, did you feel like you were just, you were always like chasing like the eight ball? Were you, were you always behind it or were you just kind of like just trucking along? Yeah, it felt more, um, you know, you're just kind of chugging along. You don't really start to realize or get see the big picture, right? The Army's a huge organization. Yeah. It's something oh, yeah. that, like, even when I'm trying to explain the Army to other people or what I do right now, it can be kind of tough sometimes because it's just a huge organization that people don't understand really that well or that in-depth. So even as a student learning about the Army, being in ROTC, as a freshman and sophomore, don't expect to be knowing everything, right? You're yeah. going to feel like you're kind of in the dark on yeah. a lot of things. Now, how did that feel? That was, it was like, it was almost like you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So it wasn't, you know, intimidating or anything. You're surrounded in the bubble that you know, and it really isn't until you get to that next step where you like this whole layer is un- un- unveiled and you start to realize things that um, you never even knew about, so to speak. Yeah. So we, you're now a sophomore. So we, did you have upperclassmen kind of giving you some some flack, or were they very helpful? Were they you know trying to truck you along and put you in the right direction? Yeah. So it's interesting. My definitely my freshman year. I mean, seniors you don't you did not talk to unless you were spoken to. Right, they're about to be officers. It was a very um, class system, you know, top down, don't speak unless you're spoken to kind of a thing. And then sophomore year, definitely start to see more of that mentorship role from a lot of guys. You definitely start to be more ingrained in that kind of community and getting help from upperclassmen um, and understanding things. Okay. So now you're now finishing your sophomore year. You're starting to unravel that onion. You're getting to the next layer. Yeah. And you're going to be walking into the summer. How did that feel kind of prepping for that junior year? Um, so that was when COVID hit too. Yeah. And so prepping for that junior year was a lot of uncertainties around it. So I was supposed to go to a school called aerosol, right? My sophomore year, mm-hmm. I was selected to go to aerosol school. And so I was supposed to be going over, I was supposed to be going to aerosol school in that summer of 2020. Okay. But obviously, COVID hit and nobody knew what was really going on, right? Everything in the Army just kept getting delayed and delayed. So that summer, we really didn't know what was going on too much. Yeah. So how was that then? Like, Did you guys have different protocols now with the Army, even when you were in school? Or was it just kind of like, do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, were things just different for you guys because you were in the Army or in the ROTC? Or was it just... Yeah, so... Or was it more strict? I get what you're kind of saying. Um, protocols, initially, they weren't as strict. It was more everyone just kind of trying to figure out yeah. what the protocols really were. Yeah. Um, because getting back to school was an issue because even though we're part of the... In a government organization, the schools ultimately determine what we can do on their yeah. property and what we can't do. So our battalion, right, was Villanova, Westchester, and Widener. So it really depended heavily on what each of those schools said. So, for example, we start in the fall of uh, 2020, and 
Westchester University, you couldn't be on their campus. Like they wouldn't allow us to do our regular train exercises. That's where we would go every week to do those things. So we had to go off site to a National Guard post in order to do our our training that we needed to do every week. So it was a lot of figuring out things on the fly and just kind of putting things together, putting pieces where we could and fitting training in where we could and doing our best to follow uh, what the government said because it was really top down. Was that difficult for you guys then? Definitely. Yeah, it sucked a lot. Yeah. 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 I'm sure not a lot of you guys didn't like that either. So now, when did you officially go to aerosol school? So I ended up being able to go in December of 2020. Okay. Um, There's a slot that opened up, and we were they were sending. They started the school back up. There's you know after COVID, and um, so real quick for those for those people that are out there, what is aerosol school? So aerosol school is quote unquote known as the 10 hardest days in the army. It's a uh, training program. Or that you go to if you're selected to go to try to earn your wings and what you learn there is everything to like the army is really the our aviation sector is dealing with helicopters right so we fly all the blackhawks chinooks apaches those types of aircraft so when we're there you learn how to um everything about the aircrafts you learn all about them. You learn how to tie sling loads to them. Mm-hmm. So aircraft picking up Humvees, aircraft picking <laughs> up uh, you know, water tanks, and anything that if you were in a uh, deployed situation, if you need something transported from one base to another, right? this is might how you would do it. As well as the last part of it is learning how to repel and jump out of these helicopters and those, that's for like tactical, insur- tactical insertion. Uh, situations where um, you know guys might uh, repel into a uh, forward operating area mm-hmm. uh, as an air assault operation. Okay. So now, with the ten hardest days, you're now a junior or going into your junior, a junior year. Or, so, junior. so your junior year, you're three years into this. You've kicked butt with all the other stuff you've had had going on, and now you're in the quote unquote ten hardest days. So walk me through that. What was it like when you first got there? What was it like with all like the studying? And I remember like you told me all these stories. And I want the people to live like what I got to hear because me being a civilian, I, it's wild. Yeah, <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. So so well, walk me through those ten days. So or whatever you're allowed to. Talk yeah, about. yeah. No. Um. So those ten days, you get down. So I did my for, uh, my training in Fort Campbell. So there's a couple different locations in the United States that they offer air assault school, but. So we get there, and especially because there's still a lot of COVID protocols going mm-hmm. on. So we had like three full days of in processing where I got to the base and we're not just we're not doing anything. We don't know what's going on. We don't really yeah, have a lot yeah, of information. Yeah. And then on the third day of this in processing, which really just meant we were just hanging out like in our rooms. Yeah. And so the they call them the black hats. So that that's your air assault sergeants. So they came to where all of us were staying and kind of gave us the lay down of what was happening. So day zero, that was going to be the next day. Um, bus was going to pick us up to take us to the air assault school at zero uh, three. And then we we're going to go from there. We didn't really have any more information uh, other other than that. So, uh, yeah, that was that was that was all we, that was all we were going on. Oh, 
three in the okay. All right. I'm sorry. I'm gonna cut you off. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. No. So, so next day we wake up. It's early in the morning, and we get to the school grounds. Okay. And we get in this huge formation. It's pitch black out. We don't know what's going on. And if you have a phone, right? They all made us. They marched us to like this big. Um, uh, I don't know what you call it on the ships, like the crates. Okay. It's like a big shipping container. Okay. And so we had to put all of our phones in there. You're not allowed to have phones on school I property. This. Yes. So we're standing outside the school grounds, and when. <laughs> We're all in this big formation. We're yeah. just waiting for our names to be called with our roster number. And then we're supposed to run up, go see the medic, and get in formation. So my name's finally called. I run up there. I get into my platoon where, where they tell me to go inside the school grounds. And immediately, first thing is, the air assault sergeant tells all our entire platoon, like, drop all your shit, your rucksacks, everything. Get it all out. We're doing it because you have a gear inspection, the first thing. Yeah. So they inspect your gear, make sure you have everything that's on your packing list. Because if you're missing one item, you're gone. Like you're I out, remember you were telling yeah, me that. This, you're out of the school. Uh-huh. Yep. And that did, and that happened. At, uh, oh, it happened. Yeah, pl- plenty of people. I mean, so air assault to to give you a reference point has about a fifty percent pass rate. Um, so about fifty percent people drop out or mm-hmm. or kicked out, so to speak. So then that day zero, after that we immediately have a two mile run that's timed. So. Um, we go on our two mile run time. If you don't make the time hack, then you're out. What was the time? Time I believe was 18 minutes. Nothing too hard. Okay. Super easy. Yeah. Um, to then 12 the day. So get done your run, and then you have to go to the next phase, which is the obstacle course. So the obstacle course has nine events. Two of them considered major events, and seven of them considered minor events. So you have to pass both major events or you're kicked out and then you have to pass two, you can only fail one of the minor events but before that they smoke you for an hour nice. making yeah making you do i mean push-ups so they really just tire tire your body out before you do that so you go through do your optional course and after that you really get into your studies for the for that day right so that that weeds out a lot of people because once you pass the o course then you're sent back to the formation area and all of the people that fail the optional course um, they made them put their yellow PT belts around themselves so they can identify themselves yeah. as, as, as no-goes. And so then they had to do the walk back of shame um, and get out-processed from there. Oh. But, but then we go into that first phase and you start uh, doing your studies and, and start learning. So you go through those first uh, three days and then you have tests, right? So after those first three days and in between... Um, all those days you're learning about, you're doing a ton of classroom time and, you know, you can be inspected on really anything at any time. And then that next, that third day, then you're tested and so what you have to wait and see if you pass the test or not. Cause if you don't pass, then you're mm-hmm. a no go and you're out obviously. So what was it like studying? I don't want to stop you, but yeah. what was it like, like getting smoked and then doing this obstacle course, your body is exhausted and now your body's recovering, but now your brain's working overtime. What was that like? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was all just a blur because you're just on autopilot at that point. Okay. You're you're like, because it is it's something that's like really cool for a cadet to get to do. I mean, because yeah. we're ingrained into this with the, all the people that are active in the army. We're in this program. We're with 
people that are captains, lieutenants, officers, other people that are NCOs in the army. So you're really in the in that community. So especially as a cadet, man, my brain was just on autopilot. It was just like, do the next go, task, go, do the go, next go, task, yeah. pass this, right? You can't fail anything, so to speak. Yeah. And you were one of how many from Villanova? Um, so in that class, I was the only person in my battalion sent to air assault school. I, I, I mean, I know I know, but I thought yeah, it was pretty yeah, cool to yeah. get out there, you know, for you. <laughs> um, but uh, so, okay, so you're on day what at this point when you're starting to study? So you have day zero and then day one, two, and three. Those are all like classroom time, studying a bunch. And then the morning of day four is when you test. Okay. When you take your first phase. So, because it's broken up to three phases. So, how nervous were you taking that first test? Oh, I I honestly wasn't that nervous, mainly because I don't think I've ever studied for something as much as, like, a simple, like, 50-question test as I had in my life. Like, I, ne- I never was a big studier in high school, didn't really try that much in college, to tell you the truth. But, I mean, me and my roommate, what, we would just just pound each other with questions. Yeah. So, what was the margin of error for that test? 70%. So, oh, okay. not so- not too bad, but... Um, still something that like it's information that you've only consumed over the past three days. <laughs> oh my god, it's terrifying. So there was two tests, right? I believe, right? But there was just one test. Yeah. So that's the test at the end of phase one. Okay. So now you're in phase two. So phase two is another three days, and so this is like a, the the hardest phase of air assault school because you're learning all about these sling loads. So you're learning how uh, a Humvee can be safely attached to different types of helicopters, different helicopters' payloads, and you're learning the configuration of how all of these loads, whether they be water tanks or fuel blivets, um, Humvees, are attached to there. And we're trying to identify a configuration and see if there's any deficiencies in these configurations. So it's really hands-on, outside, you're in the motor pool working a ton on these types of things. So, this phase two is three days. Did you feel like it was a lot to learn in three days? This phase, for sure. Like, this phase was by far, it was information overload all the time. Like, you, I mean, you were just caught, like, I I came with a fresh notebook there, like, you know, about yay big, and it was filled by the time I got done. Like, completely filled. What? Yeah. Wow. So. Do you still have that notebook? Oh, I do, yeah. Send me a picture that's so I can put it up. <laughs> That'd be sick. Um, so phase two is ending. You're you're hammering away at it all night. How nervous were you for that test? That so the there's a written test and then there's a practical test. Okay, the right, right. Practical right. test. I was terrified um, because there's six major configurations that we have to be able to identify and correct deficiencies. And you're tested on four of them, but you don't know which ones you're going to be tested on. Okay. So, test day, test morning comes around. We take the test, and you find out if you pass the written test first before you move on to your practical test. Then you move on to your practical test, and you're just in a line of people, right? You got to keep your head down, right? Because you can't, can't, you can't look ahead of you, see what other people are doing, and you have... You're able to what you stand in front of whatever uh, you know your the fuel blivets or whatever it is you're uh, trying to inspect, 
and the air assault sergeant has a timer. He says, are you ready? Cool. And then he says, go. And you have two minutes to get around these things and figure out three out of four possible deficiencies on the uh, configurations. So you're running around. I mean, like a Humvee is huge, right? So you, you've been, we've been practicing for days and days. And you have to go and check everything about how it's configured inside the Humvee, outside, and move around, make your whole way around in two minutes. And whenever you find a deficiency, you have to point a knife hand at it, and you just say, deficiency. And you don't know whether that answer is correct or not. You don't know. So you, get, you only get six answers. You get six answers, and after you give six answers, then no matter what, you're done. And it's not until you're that you've either gotten all the deficiencies or you've used six answers or the time is up that you know whether you've passed or not. So that exactly. So you're so just really, running around a Humvee so, BBUs. So, so you're just running around and 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 doing going through your your normal routine of how you inspect this thing really quickly, pointing at something and keep going, keep moving on, and you don't know whether or not that's a deficiency and whether or not you're passing or doing well. So. Yeah. Oh my god. So you got through that, right? Mm -hmm. That's phase three or phase two? That's phase phase two. two. Yep. So now you're in phase three. Now we're in phase three. And so by the time you get to phase three, so most of the dropouts happen uh, in phase two. Most of the people that that get dropped from the program. Um, And then phase three hits, which is the fun phase. That's the phase where oh you're jumping out yeah you you get to deal with you know repelling and and uh, repelling out of out of these helicopters okay yeah. so now you're in phase three you're excited what did this look like yeah so day one so we we tie what's called a Swiss seat around us so it's just a long piece of rope and you have to tie it around yourself in such a way that it makes a harness for you okay. And so this is what is going to support your weight. And so you start off by tying these Swiss seats and you have these different rappel towers. So these really big towers with one one of each side has a wall on it and then the other side is open. So there's no wall. It's just an open hanging um, from, from the top of the tower. And so you learn how to go down the wall side and you learn how to go down the open side mm-hmm. and, and do different types of that. So mm-hmm. you clip yeah. into your Swiss seat. <clears throat> That the harness that you made for yourself, and you go down um, and learn how to repel, so yeah. you can do it competently. Yeah. So now you are you jumped out of the Chinook, right? Yeah. yeah. What was that fact? It was uh, oh, Chinook burns five hundred twenty-seven gallons of fuel per hour. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. Uh, when, when yeah. You the told- army you needs a lot of money to operate. Yeah. Yeah. So. You're up there. And you're only... How long were you guys in the air for? Well, they take you up in classes. Okay. So, like, they'll take 10 air assault students up at a time, and then they'll go up from the airfield that you're on. They'll hover, send the ropes down, and then you'll rappel down down from the helicopter. So, now you're up there. You're looking down. You're like, that is not... That is not a pad down there. That is ground. That 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 is rock hard earth. Yeah, so I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I live for. I love like yeah. th- thrill seeking, things like that. But the only thing that in my mind that was going through that I was like, wow, this is like two things were going through my mind. So as because you're when you're waiting your turn to get up there, you're watching as other 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 uh, soldiers are going up there, and 
the really dumb ones, we call it turtling. So what? Ha- yeah. So what happens is, uh, they jump. They they re- ease themselves off the edge of the aircraft, and then when they go to repel and they jump, a lot of them get scared. So your back hand is your brake hand. So if you extend it out, right, that means you're you're falling and you're you're going down. But if you put it up against your back, that means you just stop on a dime. So. These people would jump and then they get scared. So naturally they would react by pulling their brake hand back up to the small of their back. And then because they're on a rope that's hanging from this from this helicopter. And so then they would just flip underneath and they'd hit them. They'd hit their head. They'd hit their head on the on the underneath of the aircraft. So so um, so we would be watching that. We would be like, ah, you just don't want to be that guy. We, you, don't yeah. want, you don't want to turtle. So How speak. much did that happen? Happened more than you think. Really, I I can imagine. Happened more than you think. That was I remember when you told me that. I was like, you know, I never thought about that. It was like a possibility, until then I'm like, oh, I guess if you are repelling and you stop like that, you're gonna swing. <sighs> yeah. So um, so you jump out. How many did it? First try, you got it. Oh yeah, I mean, okay. and you just you flow all the way down, and um, the only thing that I kept thinking though, so that was the one thing, and then the second thing I was thinking was, uh, it's just wild how your harness is just a piece of rope that you tied to your body. And I was like, even today I'm like, I still think I'm like, that's kind of crazy that you can just, you can tie a rope to your body and it's like, that's your lifeline. That's wild. Yeah. And, um, so you get down, you repel. Mm -hmm. How'd you feel? Oh, that's great. I mean, you know, that was the second last day. The next day was day 10. That was graduation day. That's phase Um, four. Phase four. Yeah. Technically it's, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, great. It was an awesome feeling. I mean, it was cold as shit, though. I mean, like, because, like, the wind is just, like, picking up because the, the helicopter's going around. And it's the middle of December, and it's cold as shit. Like, yeah. we're freezing. So, it was, it was a good feeling because you could just finally relax and, and yeah. hang out. So, I remember picking you up from the airport mm-hmm. out there, dude. That that had to be a nice feeling, just being home, putting, the, putting your boots back into the house and just being like, it's done. Oh yeah, it was great. I mean, because then you you moving into Christmas time, so it was nice. So like, I had a really nice long break afterwards. But it was definitely uh, a whole different world because when you're at a specialty school like that, really your 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 brain is only focused on one thing, mm-hmm. right? Because in normal life, you got you know paying bills or going to your job or you know family, friends, social Ooh, life. You got yeah. all these different things to worry about in your day to day life. But when you're there. The only thing that you have to focus on is aerosol. Yeah. Right? That's the only thing you have to focus on. Now, was there a lot of pressure from, like, Villanova for you being the only one? Well, I mean, there's just a lot of pressure going as a cadet in, yeah. to begin with because you only get one shot. Because you don't want to ruin it for the other cadets. Yeah. That could be coming in. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, you really only get one shot at it. And as well as aerosol slots and school slots like Airborne, Aerosol, you know, Mountain Warfare... Those slots are given to us by our brigade down to the battalion, and they're dispersed. And so if you have cadets in the program that pass these schools, you're more likely, your schools are more likely to get those slots in the future. So you don't want to ruin it for people that are going to be behind you that want to get one of these slots, because if you fail, then you're less likely to get those slots for your school. <sighs> yeah, that, that that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, so I mean, like, every day I had my, my master sergeant checking in on me from... Um, from Villanova, and I just, whatever, fo- quick phone call, texting me, how you doing? Like, 
constantly checking in. Good. That's good. It probably felt good, too. Yeah. You felt special. Yeah, because otherwise, like, I mean, getting sent home, it's like all of a sudden you're in aerosol school, and then you fail something. You're done. You're done, and they get you a flight home. That's wild that, like, when you, because you were telling me people were just dropping out left and right, like, just for the bag checks. Yeah. They forget a battery from their flashlight. Yeah. Or- yeah, so, because after... Uh, on the graduation day, that morning, you have a 12-mile ruck that you have to do in under three hours. And the very last thing you have to do before gradu- graduating is you have a final gear layout to see what you had in your in your ruck. So you have a gear list. And there was a couple guys. While somebody was missing one battery. You're supposed to have three of them. He had two of them. And then somebody accidentally packed two OCP tops instead of one bottom and one top. And they get kicked out because of that. Because the whole point of the course is attention to detail. I mean, that's really the whole point. It's it's teaching you discipline and, and extreme attention to detail. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. I couldn't imagine going through 10 days of just hell, your brain, your your body, your everything is just broken down, and then it's like, oh, there's one battery. It's supposed to have three. <laughs> yeah. But it's have two, and then you're like, oh, my gosh, I left it wherever. Yeah. And that then, would then, suck. And then you're just, you're done. That's it. Yeah, you don't graduate. So, but... Honestly, if you're competent and responsible, you know, you can pass it and get through. Yeah. That's that's really the idea of it. It's it's not rocket science. It's just being responsible. Good. Well, you're done that now. Mm-hmm. So now you're going into your senior year. Right? Yeah. Now you're kind of in charge of your battalion. You're protruding excellence, as they say. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Protruding yeah. excellence. Whatever. Um, what was that like now? Now now you're the top dog. Yeah, I mean, you know, being a senior is definitely nice because you get a lot of benefits, right? You, you don't have to do as much in terms of your hands-on work. You have to do a lot of planning, though, so it's a lot more like being an officer. So to tell you the truth, a lot of the stuff that you would do as an enlisted person in, in ROTC, you know, the equivalent, is it's a lot more fun. You're a lot more hands-on. But once you move up to being a senior, then you're in charge of things. you got to plan events. You have to, you know, make uh, briefings, and you have to make PowerPoint slides. You know, in the Army, they always, <laughs> they always say it's death by PowerPoint. You just yeah. get you get killed yeah. by it. So it, there's, a, there's a give and take with that. But it's definitely nice because you can see the end. You can see what you've been working for for so long. Yeah. So now you're walking up. You're, you're you're pretty much done. Every everything that you've worked for to this point is now that big picture. There's one last final puzzle piece. Yeah. Right. What was that last puzzle piece for you? What What was that last thing that you did that was like, this is it. This is the last thing I need to do to get my stripe. Um. Last thing I had to do. Like like what did you do that you like closed your laptop and you went. <sighs> No, that was after I finished my last final. Uh, oh, and it's funny because I was just at home when I finished my final, and I closed my laptop, and I was like, "That's it, I've done everything." <laughs> it was just I was sitting in my room, and I was just like, "That's it, I'm done." And that was funny because I remember like uh, peak COVID, a lot of guys like like, like Stephen Rice and all them, and uh, I would see in their Snapchats or whatever because I just finished college in my house. I never yeah. thought that would happen, but so that was it. You finished your final, handed in, closed your laptop, crack a beer. That's maybe, it. Maybe maybe more than one or two. Absolutely not. <sighs> Never. Never. Um, so that was uh that, that was cool that that I got to experience. Thank you for inviting me for that. 
your uh, commissioning. Commissioning, yeah. That was pretty cool. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was nice. You got to go up. Ben Deere can't really get the and I loved how uh, uh, it was Papa who you gave your coin to, right? Yeah. So yeah. my so you're, when you commission, you have a first salute, and my first salute is my grandfather because he was a prior enlist in the Air Force. He fought in Vietnam, and so he gave me my first salute. Nice. Uh, it, was, it was just cool. It was a cool experience. That's awesome. So now you're all good to go. You're an officer. You're finished up, and. You've seemed to take a different path now. Yeah. So and this this is pretty cool. Not not to cut you off, but I'm yeah. just um, this is pretty cool because I remember years ago, you and I both. Now, obviously, we've taken different paths on that as well. Yours is more impressive than mine. But um, we used to be in Civil Air Patrol. We used to go up on like little orienteering flights and things like that and learn about stuff. But now you've taken it completely full circle. So I'll let you uh, take that away. Yeah. So. After COVID hit, started to change a lot of things in the Army. And for me, the best way I can describe it would be a lot of cultural changes. Because the Army is an interesting organization from the standpoint. Everybody always tells you that the people up top, the people in charge of federal government, they don't really impact you in your day-to-day mm-hmm. life. And that's true for most people. Yeah. But the thing with the military is you see direct impacts from policy changes immediately because there's no legislation process that it goes through or you see direct impacts. And so it was that and and pairing with COVID, a lot of things have changed within the Army. And I I can't really elaborate on on too many things, but a lot of cultural shifts. And there's a reason right now why we've actually seen the – some of the most numbers of people leave the military in the past two years. Um, we're way under recruiting numbers right now on both the officer side that, yeah. and the enlisted side. And I'm not going to really delve in too much to the to the reasons. You know, I'm going to kind of leave that up to you guys mm-hmm. to, to interpret. But there's reasons why a lot of that's been going on. And so with that... I thought to myself, I'd always wanted to go active duty. I wanted it to be my every single day job. But I, I kind of want, changed my mind about that. I didn't want it to be my everyday job. For, yeah. And it was, a, it was a hard decision to it come was, to. It was, because you've yeah. been working this for a while. Correct. So I decided to instead uh, commission as an officer into the National Guard. And so instead of serving four active duty years, I'm required to serve eight years now in the National Guard. And um, instead, I can have a civilian career now. So that was when I decided that I wanted to go into flight training and uh, try to become a commercial pilot for an airliner. Oh, and your parents. Yeah. Uh, well, both, both in the Air Force. Well, they were both in the, Air, both Force. the Air Force. Yeah. So Just interesting. You're all, you all have wings. <laughs> somewhat. So, I, so that was when I kind of made that shift from Army's going to be an everyday job to uh, I want to fly. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of when all of that happened and it, it was a it was a big change to make and it was a big commitment to make because i that was in my mind this is what i'd want to do for you know eight years now yeah so now you've chosen to to take flight yeah right? um no more captain patsky patch pat what was it patsky, yeah patsky. something like that yeah, from years ago but so you're at brandywine right that's your flight yeah right? so i'm flying uh, i'm in flight school right now at brandywine okay my private license so Pretend I don't know nothing about this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How, how 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 has it been so far? 
Um, it's been awesome. I mean, f- flying is one of the coolest things I've ever done. I mean, I've I've talked your ear off about that enough, but um, flying it's really intricate, but it's nice because I'm able to do it every single day, so I'm able to learn really quickly. And you kind of, I mean, when you first start out, then your first like flight or two, like you're flying the plane, like yeah. it's your plane. Um, I mean, my first lesson, like. They, my instructor would be like take the controls and you're flying and he'd be yelling at me like don't turn don't do this don't do that yeah yeah because you know, yeah. it's kind of just learning trial by fire right which is which is usually a good thing for people yeah too. yeah so um I'm about 30 flight hours in right now uh, my goal here is to hopefully have my my license by the end of may and then i can move on to flight school after that to to get my commercial license and my certified flight instructor okay. license. So it's nice. a long process to get there, but you know I've really been fortunate. I, I've been fortunate enough, like that, I was able to get a scholarship from the army to help pay for my education, and that's allowed me to be able to pursue this career. Jeez. So now you've been flying for almost a month now, right? About two months. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Two months. Two months. Two months. You're 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 gonna be done in a month. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, not done, but have, I got have, a, I have got, a license. Yeah. yeah I got I got it mixed up. So. Two months of flying, mm-hmm. and what do you know? What do you, what what planet are you flying? You flying like a Cessna? Yeah, or so I'm, it's called like a it's a little Piper Arrow. That's what okay. they're that's that's what they're called. Not a Piper, uh, okay. sorry, Piper Warrior. Okay. Um, so the only really big difference in in the aircraft is that the Cessna's planes are on top, so that you open the doors from the ground, and on these the planes are below your doors, so you just hop on the wing and then climb into the plane. Yeah. Oh, that's sick. So. That's cool. I so I take you on a ride. Well, yeah. less more you're done. I'd love to go up. <laughs> I'm the captain now. Um, I'm joking. I'm jo- I'm joking. Yeah, I'm mean. joking. I'm joking. Um, but so now that you're kind of nearing the end of this, how worth it do you think it's been? I mean, I've always been a big believer in that. Like, no matter what you decide to do, you're it's gonna be a good decision. Okay. Most of the time, it's gonna work out because if you put your mind to something, right? I'm sure if I went active duty, that I still would have had a really rewarding career. Yeah, but I just decided to do something else, and so far I'm really, really loving it. And I think that as long as you engulf your something yourself in something, as long as you really commit to it and follow mm, through, that's not, I think a lot of people can good. find enjoyment. In what that what they do, yeah. People are always so worried about making the wrong decision, so to speak. But it's not necessarily a wrong decision. It's just a decision that's going to change how your life looks. And you can try to influence that however you much you want. But at the end of the day, most people, I would say, as long as you are actively pursuing something and goals, you're going to like what you're doing. That's good. That's yeah, actually you're enjoy your life. That's a really positive message because a lot of people, especially our age now, are just like, I don't yeah. know, I should do this. I'm freaking out. Yeah, people people are always worried about making the wrong decision. But the worst decision you can make is to not make a decision. That's apathy. Yeah. So, what are some of the cra- craziest maneuvers you've done so far? I don't get to, I don't get to do that crazy stuff. But um, didn't you say you 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 had a, a blast of air into the engine? Too? Well, okay, so yeah, okay, so well, okay, so one of the fun things that you can really do. It's really fun um, when you simulate if your engine catches on fire. What you do, right? You cut your throttle, you cut your mixture, and you start a spiral 
downward okay. to try to get more air into the engine to blow it out. So you simulate it, you cut your engine, everything like that, and then you start a downward spiral to try to blow it out. So you're like looking at, you're staring at the ground, and you're spiraling, and it's like you know you're in a controlled spiral, so you know yeah. how to get out of it. Yeah. And I'm with an instructor, so it's nothing too dangerous, but it's a lot. Of, it's just fun to be able to manipulate the airplane, the airplane mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So <clears throat> aside from that, have you done any like other kind of crazy things that you've never thought you'd do in a plane, or have you just been? Because you you were telling me about um, what's that S pattern you took? Um, we were looking on your uh, or you had to find a point. Um, let's say it was like it was like a, like like that mansion or whatever it was, and you had to do yeah it. yeah. So just a couple of different maneuvers that you, that you do, and especially when you're starting out, is you know trying to make like a perfect circle by turning on a point, right? So you pick out a point on the ground, ground reference maneuvers, and you try to get your plane to to do a perfect 360. And so the whole idea of it is to you really have to adjust the wind because when you're on a certain part of your circle and the wind is blowing you away or either towards your object, right? You have to adjust your plane so that you don't get blown closer or further away. So it's the whole idea about having control of your aircraft. Okay. Um, so yeah, you, a lot of it is like learning about winds and how that affects your plane in flight. And, um, really though, landing, Landing's just cool in general because it's really hard to land a plane. I was actually shocked, so it was, it was really funny, especially when I was like struggling with my landings early on. I got an article sent to me from Barstool, and it was like shocking number of fully grown adults, males, think that they could land a plane with zero experience. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so it was something like twenty percent of men think that they could land a plane with yeah. zero piloting That's experience, <laughs> and. I'm like, dude, there's no way. You'd die. You would all die. Like, everybody would die. I know I would. Like, <laughs> isn't that messed up where it's like, I think I could do it, but I also know in the same sentence that I will die when I do it. Yeah. It's just like, an ego thing. <laughs> everyone, it's every, you got an ego. Yeah. It's, but I, no, I commend you so for funny. actually doing it. So, so tell me what it was like to land for the first time by yourself. Well, I haven't. Um, or not by yourself, but I mean with the instructor with you. Yeah. I mean, when you butt our landing and you just hear the wheels squeak against the runway there was back wheels and your nose comes down slowly it's like it's such a good feeling nice. it's better than sex dude I'm telling you really yeah easily oh. um but it's just cool to think that like even now at this point that I'm at right now like when I'm up with my instructor like he's just telling me what to do like I'm doing all the things he tells me to do yeah and he's just there in case I fuck something up Nice. Yeah. Nice. And you haven't fucked up yet. Probably. Yeah, let's go. Go, you king. Um, but no, it, it really is cool because a lot of people always kind of dream of doing something like that. And you've done a lot of cool things. You, you ROTC, you were leading battalion, you're, you were killing it in ROTC and really just like being an actual leader, someone who you people, people look up to. And then you do something like air assault and you crush it. 50% success rate and you did it. And people at Villanova were like, oh, this is awesome. Like, you get to hand it out to the next cadet. And you graduate, get your stripe. Everyone's always really proud of you. And you're now attacking something that is massive. Yeah. You were literally flying in the air. Yeah. And not not many people get to do that, you know? I know we have one buddy, like Nico Palumbo, Mm -hmm. who uh, did it early on, too. But... Yeah, and he's helped me out, actually, a ton. Him and I, he he spoke to him on the phone, and he, he really... He's put me in the right direction. Because when you're trying to get into any type of industry, like, 
trying to like that's the best thing you can do is find somebody yeah. else there that you can just talk to, have a conversation with, and like try to find somebody that's great. around the same yeah. point that you are in terms of like or, like he's early on in his career. So I want to talk to somebody who's early on in their career. Yeah, it worked out too. And he's and he really is a good guy. Yeah, he is. So that's that's a good reference point too. So what's now the timeline now? Yeah, so. Uh, I'm looking to go to flight school here in a couple of months, um, so I'm not really sure where that's going to be right now. Still trying to kind of figure that out, but that flight school was going to be about five months long to nice. get my like, commercial ratings, all that kind of stuff. Then after that, I need to go to iBullock, which is my infantry basic officer training course, and that's essentially where you learn how to be an infantry officer, right? Okay. So right now, I'm in I'm an officer I'm a second lieutenant in the 109th infantry um up in Honesdale PA okay and so then I'll have to go to Bullock yeah Fort Benning Georgia so I'll be there for about six mm -hmm. months ish mm -hmm. and once I'm finished up with that then I can start flying for hire and uh work as, as a flight instructor to build my hours oh, towards okay. getting toward the airlines oh jeez yeah. so we could be seeing you at American Airlines flying by uh, you know, maybe like 10, 12 years. Yeah, you know, something like that. Yeah, maybe a little shorter than that. You think so? Yeah, I want to start making money. Look at you. Know, you. I'm just oh <laughs> man, that's so cool. I'm just, I'm just excited to get like a text, be like, yo, Matt, um, you better Belize it, and you're just chilling in Belize. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I really want to do, I just want to, I just want to be able to text you and be like, yo, by the way, I'm flying to your place right now. I'll be, you'll be living in Texas or something. And, <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be there in like two hours. <laughs> right. Well, because your dad used to do that because he was a meteorologist. Well, and he, well, well after, yeah, because after the Air Force, he worked for Delta for a little while. And mm -hmm. so before 9 11, you still get free flights and everything like that, even mm -hmm. if you're just an employee. And so, like, you know, he'd hop on a plane to, to Boston to go see his parents just randomly that for a weekend cool. or something like that. That's cool. Oh, man. You have a lot of freedom now. Yeah. So. You definitely think it's worth it for it all, but now I've, I've asked this question to a lot of people that have been on, like fitness influencers, cooks, uh, just a bunch of different people for different backgrounds, even someone like Stephanie Grace or Polychromatics. Um, we'll ask you two questions because this is it's kind of like a two situation thing. So, someone who's walking into ROTC, they've decided this is what they want to do. Not even just a Villanova. Mm -hmm. yeah. What would you say to them? As like a senior in high school and they're about to walk in there, what what's something that you, what one piece of advice you would give them? Um, number one, it's a great way to pay for school. Yeah, right. Like, even if you don't have a scholarship out of high school, if you do if you do ROTC at school, like you're at least if you're just a good kid, you're at least gonna get two years of your schooling paid for. Yeah, nice. And that's huge, right? There, people always complain about how there's no way to pay for college anymore. It's too expensive, and yeah, it's really expensive, but find your way to pay for it right yeah. so you know if being in the army is something that you think you could do and um it can really set you up for a great career and that's a great way to pay for school right yeah. get your degree and everything but and it, one thing i would definitely tell people that if they're know that they want to go do rotc is that when you get in there as a freshman just respect people that are that are over you right like that's understand the chain of command Right, just have that respect for everybody else. Keep your head down, and just work. Just work. Yeah, you know that's that's all you really can do, um, because what you're gonna find is you're gonna get some of the greatest groups of of, of friends out of your out of your class. Right. Should I kill you're, 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 Nick, yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. you're working nonstop, 
um, with them like for four years. Like you're with your class, right? you're you're in it together, and so some really cool friendships come out of that, and really cool bonds. Oh, so man, awesome. I would definitely say those are my two things, right? Just keep your head down, work hard, and and embrace those other people that you work with, right? Even if you don't think you initially get along with them, because you're gonna have to get along with them, and uh, it'll really benefit you in the future. That's a good lesson right there is you, you might not get along at first, but you have to. Yeah. So make it work. Exactly. I mean, and because we, we oftentimes make assumptions of people right mm-hmm. away. Assumptions right? make an ass out of you and me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that we immediately write somebody off. So it, it's a really important thing to understand that everybody's just a different type of personality. And everyone's got something going on. Everything's got something cool in their life going on. And so to understand that, you know what, maybe they just don't express it in the same way that you do, right? Yeah. But that especially if you're going to be on a team together, get to know them, work with them, because I bet smart. you they're way cooler than you actually think they are. It's actually a really big, uh, was, what, what are they saying, uh, uh, nugget. Nugget, that's, yeah. It's a nugget. So <clears throat> switching gears there, what would you say to someone who is in your position now, almost done, you're like a month or so out, or more or less, um, for getting your pilot's license, what would you tell someone that's like thinking about doing this? Yeah, um, I mean it's expensive, it is, but I mean with the way the airlines are right now, like it's really rewarding later on down the road. Like lifestyle, say look like look into like what the kind of lifestyle is going to be like, those types of things. But if you're just somebody looking to get your private license, kind of starting out, one thing I would definitely say is fly as much as you can. Yeah, right. Do it every day. Yeah, get get your license as fast as you can, especially if you want to go on the airline track. Mm-hmm. This is what's been told to me by a ton of people because it just reinforces your learning so much more and you you know, you're not delaying it and delaying it because it'll just end up costing you more money in the end. Yeah. Right. So like, even if you're, even if you got to work a ton, right. Try to fly as, during the, as much as you can. That's smart. Yeah. But anything else you want to add, my friend? I mean, I appreciate you having me on, man. This is a lot of fun. Dude, you're one of, like, this kid's one of my best friends the whole world. Known him for a really long time. You will be my best man. And, uh, dude, you're going to be my best man easily, man. Like, But, no, dude, I I was really happy I could see you today because, um... We, we, we've talked about this for a while yeah and we can finally nail this down because you have you have so much cool information like I, what other person do you know that got to go to air assault and kick ass there and then do all these like really cool like uh, advanced camp and we, we we didn't really go into advanced camp oh yeah no you don't really need to talk about that it's last summer fort knox get in get out it was really hot there you're going you're going for what a month i think yeah uh, like yeah six weeks or something like that down in fort knox <sighs> All right, Ben. After almost an hour of doing this, all this information was a lot of was really cool, especially those things for people that are going to be going into either the flying industry or an ROTC coming out of high school. So, um, if they want to get in contact with you, how would they do that? Yeah, just hit me up on my Instagram, um, Ben Dark Ben dot Dark Angelo, and uh, I'd be happy to help you guys out with if any of you are high schoolers going into college trying to go into ROTC if you just want any questions answered that was the best way I got my information so I'd love to be able to help anybody out alright see you guys next week